This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Donna Gunter. She's the founder of BizSmart Media. Thank you for joining me today. Hey Roman, thank you for asking me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. So tell me a little bit about your journey, where you started and how did you kind of get to the 2019 you? Well, there's a, a lot of years in between <laughs> my start and right now, but the, the short version of it is that I wanted to be a coach, but thought that I could use my marketing skills probably more easily and find more business more easily than starting with coaching. So back in 1999, I started a business as a virtual marketing assistant, and I worked with coaches and consultants doing the back end of their marketing and helping them with marketing strategy and handling the tech portion of that. The tech portion has always been really easy for me to do. I've picked up on software programs really quickly, and that was a a big stumbling block for a lot of people in the coaching and consulting industry was trying to figure out how to work their email marketing programs or their website design programs, et cetera. I morphed from that to actually doing business and marketing coaching and got a little tired of that by 2014. And at that point had run across a couple of guys in Houston near where I live, even though I've never met them personally, who were uh, teaching about authority marketing, which is something I had stumbled on in my own business marketing process. Um, I use the term authority marketing to talk about how you share your expertise and leverage your knowledge to attract people to want to work with you. And uh, I had stumbled upon that accidentally when I used to share articles, how-to articles, on different marketing topics through a lot of websites when article marketing was all the rage in the early 2000s. At any rate, um, I started listening to Jack and Brian And they were talking about using a book to boost your authority and to become an expert in your niche. And so I'd always wanted to publish my own book, having been a huge reader my entire life and owning quite a large collection of books. And so I I went through their training and I actually published my first what I call multi-author book. Some people will call it an anthology book. I had gone to nine friends who were also in the marketing industry and said, hey, let's each of us uh, contribute a chapter on what each of us does best, and we'll put it all together in a book. None of them had books at the time, and we can all become Amazon bestselling authors. So they each contributed a chapter. I formatted it, put it all together, designed the cover, ran it through an Amazon bestseller campaign. We all became Amazon bestselling authors. And it was a big hit. It really helped them in their business, helped me in my business. And I thought, wow, this is really fun. I should help other people do this all the time because the uh, amount of happiness that I saw people displaying as a result of becoming an author, the way that I saw them using it in their business, it was just, it was really fun and new and exciting for me. And I could provide a, a great result for them pretty quickly without a lot of effort. And that's not always true in the marketing world where sometimes you have to turn away for six or nine months before you see a return on your investment. And so then I started my own authority marketing agency, which I call Bismart Media. 
and started focusing on helping coaches and consultants and that ilk uh, publish their own books. But about a year and a half ago, it suddenly hit me that this would work really, really well in the local marketing scene for businesses who have brick and mortar locations. You know, they, they're limited geographically to you know, a 20, 25 mile radius like a normal local business is. But none of them would have ever would ever think about publishing a book. But it has worked wonders in terms of distinguishing them from their competition. You know, if they're in a town of fifty thousand and they're one of twenty dentists, you know, if they have a book, the other nineteen dentists, I can guarantee, are not have don't have a book to use to market their business. And so it makes them unique. It makes them distinctive. It sets them apart in the crowd. And so that's the that's the short story, the Cliff Notes version of how I got from my business start to where my business is currently in 2019. Nice. So how does kind of the process work? If you you said, you know, you came out with that, you know, anthology format, how do you find people that are willing to kind of come together to contribute or what the process looks like? Well, the, I, I published a different, different kinds of books. The, the anthology book is one that I do probably less often these days because I've hit upon another type of book that seems to be a more effective and people like it better because they're, they're the only author in the book. And that's what I call a one problem, one solution book. And it's, it's different from what other people calling themselves book coaches. And I don't call myself a book coach by any means because um, I'm not helping people write the end all and be all two or 300 page compilation of everything that they know. It's a short 50 to 70 page book that tackles one problem that my client has or that my client's clients have and they provide the answer to that in this short book. So it's designed to be read in one sitting. That's why it's so short. If you take a look at the books that are stacked on your bookshelf, if they're like mine, I haven't read the, the majority of them. The majority of them are probably 150 to 250 pages long. And those books, I've just gone to them, picked out a chapter or two and, and read that because that's the problem that I was trying to solve at the time that chapter dealt with it. And so rather than focusing on something that takes a longer time to produce, I help them create something that's a pretty quick turnaround. Within 60 days, typically, they can have a printed book in hand. And it, it goes out one, after one particular aspect of their target market, talking about one particular product or service that they offer. And that's what's highlighted in that. And that overall seems to be much more effective in terms of establishing them as authority, getting them media attention, doing all of the wonderful things that a book does. Um, I, I still do anthologies. It's a really great way for people, say, in the real estate industry or the wedding industry, for example, to kind of create their own um, in-house marketing groups. A real estate agent could do an anthology or, and involve um, or get chapters from other people who also support that industry but are not selling houses. So it could be a home stager. It could be a mortgage specialist. It could be a home repair person. It could be a home inspector. And... If they are people that this real estate agent normally refers her or his clients to anyhow, then once they've got an anthology book like that, where they're, where they're all contributing to that, they could each then use that in each of their practices and multiply their marketing efforts by seven, ten, you know, whatever number of authors there are in the book. So in that way, I found the local business owner can really use an anthology very, very effectively to um, 10 times, you know, their marketing efforts just by pairing it with people that they do re referrals to 
as a matter of course. Same thing in the wedding industry. You know, you pull together the people who do DJ flowers, the uh, the officiant, the the wedding places, the caterers, etc., and do exactly the same thing, and you can ten time your results as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's a, a really powerful way to kind of amplify and build your brand. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's really unique, again, because other folks aren't doing it. And what's cool about a book is that people don't tend to throw that away. You know, you go to a networking meeting, you pick up 10 or 15 business cards, people might throw some flyers at you or some brochures. And I, you know, I may record some of this stuff in my CRM if I'm being good that day, <laughs> you know, to actually follow up with people. But most of the material I get at an event like that, I throw in the trash. But books are something that people don't typically throw away. They will hang on to them. They'll pass them along to people. You know, they may send them to, you know, for a library used book sale or Goodwill used book sale or something along those lines. But typically they're going to have it on their desk, have it in their bookshelf, refer to it on occasion. And it's always going to be there reminding them that you're there and available to them whenever they get ready to solve that problem. And there really is a little bit of, I guess, kind of being a starstruck, you know, when you meet an author, I often tell my clients, don't introduce yourself as a chiropractor or dentist or insurance agent when you go to a networking meeting. Introduce yourself as an author because you really do get to have a different kind of conversation. So you people then begin eagerly asking you about your book and what you how you wrote it and what you wrote about. And so in essence, you get to tell your business story without it sounding like you're pushing it, shoving it down their throats, which is you know, what happens in a lot of networking meetings. But you come at, come at it from a different uh, vantage point as an author, and there's still a little awe, you know, around being an author. And so some of my clients have talked about going to networking events, and, you know, they start handing out books, and suddenly people are starstruck and said, oh, well, can I have a selfie with you? You know, hold up your book, and, you know, we'll take a selfie, and I'll post it to my social media profile. So, you know, three minutes beforehand, they had never heard of you, but then suddenly you become something of a, quote, unquote, mini celebrity in their midst because you've got that book out. And that just, uh, it, it really changes people's opinion of you and leverages, helps you leverage your expertise in a, in a way that sets you aside as the obvious choice and, uh, you know, a little bit of a local trusted celebrity. Yeah, I think there's that kind of aura around authorship and somebody that's an author, obviously, that's not necessarily attained by everyone and not everybody, you know, tends to be an author. So when you meet someone, it's, you know, an in interesting aspect to someone's kind of personal brand. Oh, oh, sure. I mean, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm an avid book reader, have lots of books in my collection. And social media now has made it much easier to stay in touch with people that 20 or 30 years ago, you would never get in touch with, you know, and I, I admire uh, several fiction authors, several nonfiction authors have many of the books that they've written but never imagined meeting them. But now on social media, you know, I can converse with them or have conversed with them quite frequently on different topics or, you know, they'll respond to something I've posted or I respond to something they've posted. So it puts me in, in greater touch with them much more easily. And the local business owner can do something similar with his own um, fandom, you know, his own, the people that follow him and his business or her and her business can have the same kind of experience with the people who live there locally. It's always kind of cool to be with the cool kids than the cool kids being this, in this case, the person who's got his or her own book. Yes, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed? My, my motivation as I had kind of uh, inferred earlier was to pay the bills. My background is in higher education administration and 
And when I was at 23, I was going to stay forever in that industry and, and president. But I made the unwise choice of choosing to enter the residence life field in that particular industry. And that's a 365-day, 24-7 job because college students don't get sick or don't have problems or, or you don't program for them between the hours of 8 and 5. So it was a really high-stress, high-burnout condition. So uh, toward the end of that career, when I was becoming a, little, a lot disillusioned with what I was doing, I started looking at entrepreneurship, started a business. Um, didn't go very far with that business because I didn't like it. I, I turned a, my hobby into my business, and I don't encourage anybody to do that. That was a dismal failure for me. Went back into nonprofit management for a bit, and uh, still being disillusioned with my life, made some big life changes, and moved back to my rural East Texas hometown in the bedroom I grew up in, opened my business out of my mom's garage as a virtual marketing assistant, in a town of 8,000 where the prime industries are timber and bass fishing, neither of which were my target market. So thank God for the internet, which enabled me to work with clients, connect with and work with clients all throughout the country and eventually throughout several places in the world and English speaking countries. And so that enabled me to make a living in an area that had never recovered from the recession. Uh, where the population was were leaving in droves because there was no way to make a living, but I could live in this area and make a living, thank God, you know, due to the internet and do very well at that. No, that's great. I think a lot of people uh, make the jump and oftentimes switch careers, and it's oftentimes a, a frightening kind of uh, thought to do so, but I think making that first leap is the hardest uh, thing to undertake. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't encourage anybody else to do what I did, which was uh, to ask my husband for a divorce, put my house up for sale, sell my most of my possessions and moved eight, move 1800 miles halfway across the country back and open it up, open up a business in that in the childhood home. Uh, that's not an auspicious way to start a business. And, you know, you, you take out your retirement money to live on until the business get started. Uh, not, any, not any way I would encourage anybody to do that. You know, definitely start a business if you can while you're working for somebody else and, and gradually move out of that as opposed to uh, going the cold turkey way, I guess I call it, you know, and jumping in both feet first because I was lucky I was able to swim and I survived and, you know, just celebrated my 20 years in business this year. But unfortunately, that's not the case for most people who do it that way. Uh, it's really a sink or swim proposition. And with entrepreneurship, unfortunately, most entrepreneurs uh, sink once, twice, several times uh, before they find that business that, that's a success. Because my first business, you know, I sunk for sure. It took my, this was my second foray into business. And, you know, quite frankly, the business I started in 1999 is not the one that I run now. It's uh, based on what I used to do. Unfortunately, I had a lot of experience that I've gained in higher ed uh, or things that I did that in business they call marketing and higher ed they call it programming. And it took me a while to figure out how to translate those skills that I had in higher ed to make those work effectively for me as a business owner. Yeah, I think kind of repurposing your skills, what your you know skill set was in your previous profession and making it work for what you want to do or what you do now is important. Oh, absolutely. And that's you know something that I did not consider as I was starting my own business. You know, suddenly as people started telling me as I would, you know, talk to them about their business and different ideas I had for their business, they would say, Oh, well, those are great marketing strategies and I never 
really use that term marketing. I didn't know that I even understood what it was necessarily, except that I knew that I had great ideas, great things to implement, great things to do, which is something I'd done in my you know, total of 10 years in higher education, which was student programming and trying to get college students attracted to come to something that was uh, more educational rather than going off campus to a local keg party um, or, you know, beer blast, whatever was happening there. The, my copywriting abilities, as I call them now, you know, which is what was really needed. And we just, you know, we were publicizing events through flyers. And this was in the, the late 80s, mid to late 80s to the mid 90s. That was the method of publicity at that point. That was way before internet, cell phones, et cetera. Um, so the copywriting and the graphic design skills I developed in those in that career definitely translated very well to marketing in the business arena because I was trying to do the same thing for a different group of people, you know, in terms of attracting them to, to hire me to work uh, on their marketing and their business as opposed to attracting college students to come to some educational program maybe on uh, communication or leadership or or homophobia or whatever you know that was would definitely not be as appealing as the keg party that was lurking just two blocks off campus yeah it's kind of focusing and and prioritizing i mean some people that's what they focus on and that's fine but if you want to uh move forward and progress i mean you have to make uh sacrifices and kind of reposition where your focus is oh yeah um and uh you know the, the sacrifices that you make uh sometimes are family members um and i say that because i was living with my mom at the time and she would i would tell her about some of my business experiences you know in terms of clients that i turned down because i have then and i still hold now that you don't work with the wrong clients. They drag you down, they make you miserable. So you hold out for the ones that you can do the most for and that you enjoy working with. And she would constantly chastise me about, well, Donna, you know, you can't afford to turn those clients down. You're new in business. You have to take anybody who walks through the door uh, because you need the money. And I said, well, you know, I may need the money, but I'll cut back on expenses before I'll work with this person because I know this is not a good choice for me. And if I choose to work with this person, I'm going to become angry and resentful because I know it's not a good match. And so eventually I just had to stop talking to my mother about my business because I didn't want to have to get in an argument with her all the time. And so those are some of the sacrifices you have to make. Um, <laughs> when you, you have to follow your gut and know that you, and, and, trust that you know that you, what you're doing, even though family members and friends and others may counsel you to do something else, they're looking out for your best interest, but maybe not in the same way that you're looking out for your own. Yeah, I agree. Um, oftentimes, family and friends are the ones dissuading you from your kind of focus and how you know it should be done and kind of blocking those people out at times or repurposing what they're saying or, you know, if if, if you can distance yourselves or, you know, communicate a little less in terms of focusing more on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And you know, that, that really told me that friends and family were reacting from a sense of fear. Um, they didn't want to see me fail. They didn't want to see me destitute on the street with no money and thought that that was because that's the only thing that they'd ever heard. You know, that when you're in business, you don't pick and choose, you work with, anybody that wants to hire you. And, you know, there have been times in my life when I have disregarded my own advice and taken on clients anyhow, that turned out to be royal 
uh, pains in the rear end or pitas as I call them. And I highly, highly regretted <laughs> working with them and, you know, then go back and kick myself. It's like, okay, Donna, you know, all the red flags were there. You ignored it anyhow and went forward with this. You know, how many, how many of these lessons do you need to learn to go back to that really strong point where you had very strong boundaries and would not work with somebody who was not a good fit for you? So yeah, there, 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 there are hard rocks, hard, hard lessons to learn along the way, hard bumps in the road that you have to take sometimes to get yourself back on track. Yeah, I agree. Um, and oftentimes you can only learn it yourself, even though someone may tell you something, you need to kind of learn it for yourself and go through it in order for it to, you know, impact you moving forward. Yeah, that's that those lessons you get to the school of hard knocks are long lasting. Trust me, been there, done that, bought several t-shirts to that effect. Yeah. So what's one thing that you may have struggled with in the past that you've taken harness and now utilize it as a strength? Well, there's something that I still struggle with to this day, and that's this whole notion of selling myself. I'm, I'm a card-carrying introvert, and in, uh, on the Myers-Briggs scale, I'm an INFP. That's just strong on the introversion and strong on the intuition, you know, the big picture piece of that. But I... As I mentioned earlier, I kind of stumbled upon this whole notion of authority marketing when I would write how-to articles and distribute those on article banks when that was a popular marketing strategy back in the early 2000s. What I discovered in that was that people would read that information. They were hungry for it. I, I didn't really realize that other folks didn't know how to do that um, until I, they started coming to me saying, well, Donna, you know, I saw your article on such and such site and I read it and then I went to your website and I spent three hours on your website. You know, let's start, let's work together. And so this realization that I could leverage my expertise in this fashion, didn't really have to sell myself. You know, I could just sell myself by sharing what I already knew was eye opening for me because I didn't have to have sales conversations. Those sales conversations that I always blew, they made me incredibly uncomfortable, still do to this day, quite frankly. And then looking up on, you know, taking those lessons and, and then looking up at, at, you know, a different way to use that same kind of experience. So as I got into book publishing, that made more and more sense as a way for people to be able to become drawn to me because article marketing died with the Google algorithm updates in the mid 2000s. But books have been around for years and years and years, will still be around for years to come. And so it's yet another way if you are like me, you're an introvert, you don't like talking about yourself, you really don't like marketing yourself, but you've got lots of information to share and you're great at what you do. You just need other people to recognize that. So having them read a book that you've written about a particular subject matter does all of that for you without you having to have uncomfortable sales conversations. And so that's you know, something that I recognize about myself early on and you know still struggle with that today we'll be struggling with that tomorrow but have come up with a way for myself and my clients especially those who are, are like me and don't like having those sales conversations creating that book can be that sales uh, consultation that sales call that you really no longer have to have you can just simply hand out your book make sure that your current clients, your past clients, your prospects, your vendors, family members, business associates, colleagues, get copies of your book and help you uh, get those into as many hands as possible. 
and you'll discover too that you really do have to do less marketing of yourself in terms of convincing people to work with you. They show up at your doorstep ready to hire you. And those are the best conversations to have. I'll take, you know, 300 of those any day to having to do 300 sales calls where I'm trying to warm up a very cold lead, cold lead. Yeah, I agree. So what's one thing you can leave with the audience in terms of advice, professional or personal? Well, I guess I would have to say being in the industry that I'm in, that if you are in a field where you are selling your expertise and you don't have a book, um, it's not too late to get that book out into the world to help you market your business. Um, I can't reiterate how, how powerful this has been for my clients, for myself and my own business, um, just as a way to leave a legacy, perhaps. Uh, I have a current client who is, uh, has been battling cancer and she wants to be sure that she has a legacy that she's leaving into the, to the world. She wrote a, a children's story about the aftermath of Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. She, she lives there three quarters of the year and you know, not uh, having an uncertain future with the diagnosis of cancer. She's not quite sure of how long, how much longer she has in this world. So she wants to be sure that she leaves that legacy for herself. So uh, regardless of your station in life, what you might be doing, uh, think about a book to, to leave a legacy. Think about a book to market your business. It works for in, in any number of ways for lots of different reasons. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point about leaving the legacy. So sharing something or a piece of you or a you know creative element that you may have never shared, but that's going to be kind of immortalized in the publishing of it. Absolutely, you know, take you know any number of authors, Mark Twain, you know, uh, David Thoreau, you know, any of those authors back in the 1700s, 1800s, even though their their books are fairly reproduced today um, because I've lost copyrights, but they still exist. They're still read. They're still passed around. And uh, you can have the same kind of legacy in the future. I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you or some of the things you may have going on? Sure. Well, one of the things I like to do is kind of walk the talk. You know, I talk a lot about giving your book away to as many people as possible. So I'd like to offer your audience that same opportunity to go and download a free copy of my newest book, Make Them Choose You, How Local Business Owners Can Double Their Business, Get Customers Consistently, and Have More Free Time Without Being Held Hostage by Expensive Marketers by visiting makethemchooseyou.com forward slash DSE, and that stands for Digital Savage Experience, you know, the name of your podcast. So make them choose you.com slash DSE. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you, Roman. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.